It's 12.09, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us on a very, very chilly Friday afternoon. I was driving around this morning running some errands, and I I saw people out, I don't know, walking their dogs or doing yard work or things like that. And I, I swear, it, it looked like the people were dressed as if this were... December or late January instead of April. This is the coldest start to an April since 1975. And there doesn't really appear to be, you know, much let up. Uh, by the end of next week, it's supposed to get maybe into the 40s and all. But man, I tell you, this is the kind of stuff where you say, okay, I don't mind those Wisconsin winters, but it's snowing on April 6th and it might be snowing. It is so cold, Rue, who's producing the show today. It may very well be snowing until, I don't know, what do you think, June, perhaps? You know, is that possible? And the answer is, uh, yes, it is. All right, we've got a lot of ground to cover on today's show. In the 2 o'clock hour, we've got Pop Culture Corner. Also, in the 2 o'clock hour of today's program, we will be giving away a four-pack of tickets to see the Brewers play the Miami Marlins. That is on Saturday night, April 21st as well as a $50 gift uh, card from MelvinMulch.com, our sponsor, all as part of Welcome Back Baseball. I was at that game last night, and I guess the best thing to say is, well, they play 162. Like I was saying earlier to Steve, uh, every once in a while, sometimes you eat the bear, sometimes the bear eats you, and sometimes you just, last night the Brewers were bear child. Nothing good about it. Lousy game, throwing to the wrong bases. What was Ryan Braun thinking? Um, bad pitching. Injury to Corey Knable, inattentive fielding, three errors, probably should have been at least two more, but there was some generous scoring. Just It was one game. One game, no reason to panic. All right, let's get started. Big story number one. Should this happen here? Deerfield, which is a community in northern Illinois, uh, Deerfield taking advantage of a a loophole in state law earlier this week, banned the possession, sale, and manufacturing of certain types of so-called assault weapons and large-capacity magazines within the village. According to this ordinance, violations carry a fine of between 250 to $1,000 per day for each day that somebody refuses to comply. Now, the way they reason they might have been able to do this, there's a lawsuit that's challenging this, is there was about a 10-day window of time back in 2013 before Illinois changed the law to prohibit municipalities from doing things like this, and Deerfield had enacted an ordinance which regulated certain types of firearms, but didn't ban them or anything like that. Deerfield says, we think under the law, um, even though we couldn't do it now, because we made this change back in 2013 during this 10-day window, we can legally expand upon the ordinance. So um, as it stands now, you know, barring a, a challenge, you are not going to be legally allowed to possess a particular type of firearm. Normally, these AR-15 semi-automatic assault type of weapons. There's various models that are cited in the ordinance. The definition of an assault weapon includes 
semi-automatic rifles that have a fixed magazine with a capacity to carry more than 10 rounds of ammunition, shotguns with a revolving cylinder, and semi-automatic pistols and rifles that can accept large-capacity magazines and possess one of a list of other features. And there are dozens of specific models that are, you know, cited in this. So like I say, if you don't get rid of your gun or break it down in a fashion that makes it unusable, you will be potentially liable to be fined up to $1,000 a day. The city council in Deerfield unanimously voted to approve this. So... Essentially, if you own one of these firearms, you have to get rid of it, or you have to break it down into a non-functioning state. Let's talk about this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Now, Deerfield was able to do this, or at least they claim they're able to do this, because of, again, a loophole in the law that was passed back in 2013 that has now been closed. Um, you couldn't do it in Illinois today. But let's talk about this bigger picture. Should communities be allowed to do what Deerfield has done? That is, ban the ownership, the possession of certain types of firearms and fine people, in this case up to $1,000 per day, for every day you refuse to Either break down your gun or get rid of your firearm. And by get rid, I mean store it outside of Deerfield. Does this scare you? 414-799-1620. We're back to discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 1215. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1217, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Earlier this week, the village of Deerfield in Illinois taking advantage, I say advantage, of what they consider to be a, a loophole in a law that was in existence for 10 days back in 2013, has now banned the possession or ownership within city limits of what they describe as assault weapons, which would include, you know, most of the semi-automatic so-called, you know, assault rifles, including like the AR-15s. People who, by June 13th, refuse to either surrender their firearms or relocate them to somewhere outside of the village are up liable of fines of up to $1,000 a day. There's been a lawsuit filed about it. But what is your reaction? This is this is the gun ban that some people think would be a desirable thing. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tony in Milwaukee. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Uh, good morning. Thank Hi, you Tony. For my call. Sure. Um, I, I, I'm, I, I find it appalling. I really do. I think this is a massive overreach of their power. Um, and they're violating people's Second Amendment rights. First of all, these these particular uh, weapons and guns are not banned uh, uh, federally. Uh, the federal government has not banned them. There's no ban in place. So for these communities to, to tell people that they can't exercise their Second Amendment rights, it, it, it really is disturbing to me that they would go that far to violate people's rights um, that, are, that are protected by the Constitution. So, yeah, I think it's, it's not going to survive out in court. Yeah, what their argument is that that they had they had a local ordinance in effect a number of years ago regulating how certain types of firearms had to be transported. You know, if you're going through the community, you have to have the gun unloaded and cased, that type of stuff. They're saying because we had that law in a book, it now gives us the authority to essentially ban firearm possession, which I I mean, 
I, I think is a, is a huge reach how the court decides it. But big picture, I I think it's scary. I, I mean, I I really do. You know, you want to you want to talk about AR-15s and stuff, and whether we want to keep them out of the hands of dangerously mentally ill people. That's great. But this is a community now talking about actually banning firearms, and I. I, I just I wonder if people are going to sit still for that. I don't think they will, and I hope they don't. So. Yeah, thanks for the call four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Jay in Pewaukee. Jay, you're on WTMJ. Hey Jeff. Hi Jay. Um, I'm completely against the ban. Obviously, um, my question is: since there's no national registry for guns, how are they going to find out if you have this weapon? to fine you uh, up to $1,000 a day? I mean, do they have access to sales records, or, you know, how are they going to pursue that? Well, I mean, theoretically, I, I mean, I guess the answer would be, be theoretically yes. I mean, I, I could see situations where your know, neighbors are turning on neighbors. You know that, you know that, Jay? You know, I, he, he's, I, have you seen the guns that he has? He goes out to a, to gun shops and firing ranges, you know, and you should see the guns that he has. And I, has he turned them in? I mean, so you've got that. I think you would go after it in the way that you would typically go after any sort of enforcement type of thing. So, uh, yeah, no, there's I mean, not a registry, but. Like- this just seems like 1984 where yeah. people are turning on each other and, uh, you know, turning each other in and, and riding on each other to the, you know, big brother. Well, e- exactly, and all to take people. You know, it's so interesting, Jay, for years and years of doing this show, you know, whenever we've talked about gun control issues, I, I have people from both the left and right call in, and they'll, they'll say, well, especially on the left, well, you know, we're not talking about gun banning. Well, actually, this is, I think, pretty clear evidence that they are talking oh, about gun exactly. banning. That's what they want to do. Exactly. Now, thanks to the call, 414-799-1620. That is the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, this was voted on unanimously by the city council. I guess the question now is going to be, well, first of all, there's a few issues. I don't see how this survives a legal challenge. Um, uh, this is, it's one thing to enact an ordinance which says, all right, if you're going to be having a fire, if you're going to drive a, if you're going to drive a car through the area, through the village, that the gun has to be uncased, has to be cased and unloaded. Okay. That's one thing. It to me is a much greater step to say you have no right to possess that firearm within the village. So I, I think it's going to be interesting and there's going to be some lawsuits about it. But I, the, the basic, the basic premise. I mean, look, I understand that we've got a problem with firearm violence in this country. Of course, the biggest issue, of course, is keeping hands out, guns out of the hands of criminals. This is not targeted at criminals. This is targeted about at that law-abiding citizen who has done absolutely nothing wrong with the firearm but is perceived to be an inherent danger, so they want to take their guns away. Will people tolerate that? Let's talk to Fred in Beaver Dam. Fred, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Fred. My feelings on that are the same. I don't think it'll withstand the court test, but with the liberal judges we have around today. Who knows? You know, it's not the rule of law. It's whatever they think the law should be. Right. So you you never know, but it hasn't come to the Supreme Court yet, and I don't see any way it can stand up. Yeah, well, I mean, th- thanks for calling. I mean, there, there is, again, there, there's, a, there's a history of court cases which says that communities have have under the right under the law the right to you know Im- impose certain regulations we don't let felons carry guns so i mean the second amendment right no 
The Second Amendment right is not absolute. You know, we have restrictions. If you're going to own a machine gun, there's all sorts of hoops that you have to jump through before you can legally possess something for like something like this. But at the same time, I guess this is this to me is going further than you've seen because it's not saying felons can't possess guns. It's saying nobody can possess firearms. So, you know, will people put up with this? And is this good policy? 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Jessica in Caledonia. Jessica, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Thanks Hi, Jessica. for taking my call. Sure. I have a little different perspective. I am a, a crazy progressive who actually does like listening to your show. My husband's actually a Milwaukee police officer, and uh, I am for such a ban. I think that um, I like what you just said. People need to understand that the Second Amendment is not an absolute rule, that uh, the Supreme Court has found that um, those assault weapons don't necessarily apply with the Second Amendment. We don't currently have an assault weapons ban, but that's not to say that it isn't something that could happen in the future. Um, I think that the direction that the country is headed as far as public opinion and guns right now, we're going to be seeing more and more of these types of bans and communities kind of, kind of coming together to make their areas more safe. I don't think it's something that um, is really crazy. <laughs> Why, why do you think, if, if you have, why do you think this makes Deerfield more safe? Um, honestly, I don't think there's any reason that your average Joe needs to have assault weapons in their house. People okay, well, 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 Jessica, let, let's, let's understand what we're talking about. For, I mean, an assault weapon is, is something that's capable of firing in a fully, like a machine gun. Correct. A fully, Correct. Now, these, these aren't assault weapons. These are semi-automatic rifles where okay, i guess i lump them together and that's that's my problem because i think that sometimes we get in this little gray area with which guns or which and mm-hmm. i live in wisconsin so i know that some rifles end up kind of falling into these categories too that people use responsibly i guess i don't think that any of these weapons the ar-15s it's just not necessary for people to have those in their homes to keep them safe my husband's a police officer um he knows all about public safety we don't have those guns in our house so I guess I don't understand why it's so necessary for people to own those types of weapons. People, you know, if they want to keep their home safe, get a shotgun, get a handgun, get the kinds of guns that don't have the capability of mowing down kids and people at the velocity and range that these weapons do. Well, again, you know, it's interesting to me, Jessica. I've been doing the show for a long time, and when I first started... Um, people were obsessed with handguns. That that because th- those were the, the crimes of violence, and everybody was saying we we've got to get handguns. We got to ban handguns. Sure. We got to take handguns away from people. And, and now the the dynamic has kind of changed. Well, handguns are okay, but let let's take the let's take the rifles away from people. Sure. Well, I I guess in my perfect world, I would wish that there were, you know, a world where people didn't need any of these types of weapons. Mm-hmm house where police did the policing right and people felt safe in their own homes i know that's not always the case these days mm-hmm. well, but i one, think that we need to take a hard look at responsible and what people are, are doing with these laws they're not trying to take away people's what they're trying to say is let's have a discourse let's have a well, discussion on responsible gun owners owning the types of guns that will keep their household safe well, uh, just, but, well okay but let's, let's be fair Th- this ordinance is about taking away people this isn't about having a dialogue about that this is about a handful of people in the common council making a judgment that people should not cannot be trusted to own this particular type of firearm so yeah we want to take it away from them. if it makes 
kids a little less safe, and it makes the people in those communities a little less safe. I guess maybe find a different kind of gun to own. Okay, thank, okay thanks for the call. appreciate it. 414-799-1620. Um, we're going to continue this for, for one more segment. I mean, this is... This is the argument. Now, I don't think this is constitutional, and I don't think it's going to survive a legal challenge. But, but you know, who who knows? The argument, and Jessica made it very eloquently, the argument is people don't need this particular type of firearm, so communities are within their rights from taking it away. We do, you can't own a bazooka, you can't legally own a machine gun unless you drop jump through all these hoops. You know, do we really apply that now to rifles as well? 1227, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1234, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Baseball is back. I want to send you to Miller Park. Be listening today during the 2 o'clock hour of the program for your chance to win a four-pack of tickets to the April 21st game, the Brewers against the Florida Marlins. That's a Saturday evening. And a $50 gift card courtesy of our sponsor, MelvinMulch.com. Your chance to win is going to be coming up at uh, during the 2 o'clock hour of today's program. Okay, so I, I get lots and lots of emails, and I, I, I scan a, a lot of them. I try to respond to some, and many are very complimentary, and many are informative, and some are junk emails. And, and just like always, it, it's the nature of the thing. You, you have your trolls, and once I identify somebody as a troll, they just, they just automatically get deleted. And I, I rarely, if ever, see them unless I'm looking through the deleted file. But here's a, an interest one. On March 23rd, I, I get this. It's from a guy named Mike. Jeff, I wanted, and, and it's interesting enough because I, I hear a lot from the anti-Trump people. I can't believe you're carrying water for Donald Trump. This is terrible, bloody right-wing radio, etc. And then I get these. Jeff, this is March 23rd. I wanted to let you know I am no longer listening to your show. I've been listening to you for many years, and I've enjoyed it until Trump was voted in office. Since then, all you do is put him down and make fun of him. I tried listening to your show again yesterday. It was more of the same. You are a never-Trumper that is either in denial or won't admit it. Um, I'm listening to people on other stations. I know others feel the same way, and these are listeners who will never forget or come back. He's never listening again. March 23rd. Yesterday, 521, I get an email. Same guy. Same guy. Jeff, I have to tell you, I, I'm, I, I've stopped listening to your show. Well, yeah, pal, you, you said you stopped listening a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Come on. you know he, He's back. The more I listen to your program, the more you are sounding like people on The View. I think you are better than this and can help the Republican Party if you try. Why must you put down President Trump every chance you get? I'm going to listen to other people. Well, okay, I, I, thought, I thought we'd already lost you a couple weeks ago, pal. But I, I bring this up because in, in, in today's day and age, in today's climate, it appears that there's there's no room at all for any nuance. You either think Donald Trump is the devil and can't do anything right, or you, you think that Donald Trump is here to save this country and Donald Trump can't do anything wrong. And if you criticize Trump for any little thing or some dumb things that he does, well, you're out to try to sabotage the Republican Party. And, of course, the big mistake about that is assuming that Donald Trump and the Republican Party are the same thing and that people who care about conservative values, by the way, in the Republican Party, who who aren't willing to call out the president when he does things that quite candidly are contrary to basic principles that conservatives and Republicans have had for decades and generations – 
They're the ones that I think sometimes betray the Republican Party. My approach has always been when the president does stuff right, I will applaud it. When he does stuff that I think is dumb and dangerous and chaotic, I'm going to call that out as well, and then we'll let the chips fall where they may. Which brings me to big story number two. (sighs) Okay, yesterday, um, the, the president is at an event in West Virginia intending and the purpose of this event is to talk about the the benefits of Republican tax cuts. And and by the way, I think that tax cut legislation, if I were a politician, a conservative politician running in 2018, that would be one of the centerpieces of my campaign because I I think it's starting to make a, a difference. People are starting to see more money in their take-home take checks. And I don't care if it's only 20 or 25 or 50 bucks uh, every two weeks or whatever. That's still money that people can use. That's one of the messages that I think needs to get out. So it's an, it's an event designed to showcase the, the benefits of tax cuts. So the president is there, and with dramatic flourish, he, he picks up the hard copy of his script. And he says, um, these were going to be my remarks. Um, this would have taken me about two minutes. He looks at it and says, this is boring, though. And he throws the script up in the air, if you have not seen this video. And he says, we have to tell it like it is. And then we get completely off message. And we don't start talking about tax cuts. We start talking about um the perils of illegal immigration and the effect of members of MS-13, which is this like international cartel, um, and how evil they are and how terrible they are. And then we start talking about immigration, and then we go off on this kind of diatribe on on rape. Remember my opening remarks at Trump Tower when I opened? Um, everybody said, oh, he was so tough, and I used the word rape. And yesterday it came out that this journey, he's talking about the caravan of migrants, this journey coming up, women are raped at levels nobody has seen before. We don't want to mention that. And then, you know, he goes on, again, talking about, you know, various things, um, all of which has nothing to do with the purpose of of the meeting, which is to, again, tout the benefit of, of tax cuts. He goes on to repeat the fact that millions of people are voting illegally. Um, he was right about the threat of um, Mexican rapists, etc., etc. And all the aides are kind of in the back going, oh, you know, we've got this winning message, and now he's off on this tangent. Right, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. At the risk of being labeled as somebody who should be on The View, I, I, I watch these things. And I I admit it drives me absolutely nuts because you have a winning, successful issue, tax cuts, something that is meaningful to American, many, many, many Americans, particularly the the middle class voters that you need to come back and vote for Republican candidates in 2018. It is a winning message. And here the president is talking about illegal voting and immigration and things like that, which he may be right, he may be wrong, but it has nothing to do with what the purpose of this was. 
and now you're kind of off on this weird tangent, and that becomes the story instead of we're putting more money into the pockets of Americans. At 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. These are reasons, like what happened yesterday, are reasons why I firmly believe. Now, Governor Thompson yesterday talked about how you know he said the president was a bully and he should get rid of the tweets and stuff. But this is the type of stuff, going off message, that I think hurts him and it hurts other Republicans who are running for office. Am I being too critical? 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Instead of giving a three-minute pointed remark about, hey, this is what we have accomplished. Look at all this great stuff that we've done on tax cuts. This is That should be the story. Instead, it's we're talking about millions of people illegally voting. 414-799-1620. That's the uh, Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This this does not help. This does not help get the message of all the good stuff that's happened um, over the course of, at least in my opinion, you know, the last year plus, because it gets lost in all this other stuff that's going on there. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Jason and Mequon. Jason, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Oh, hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi, Jason. Um, that's just not a Donald Trump problem. That's a Republican slash conservative problem all across the board, staying focused, staying on message. All these Democrats just keep on giving a softball gifts they keep on giving, and if the Republicans uh, would, you know, focus on that, we'd win probably just about every election. Instead, they'd go off all half-cocked and every other thing under the sun and don't do a good job of messaging. And that's why, you know, you end up getting shellac where you shouldn't get shellac. Well, right. I, I would, you know, and, and that's one of the things I think you're going to see. That's, Scott Walker knows how to run a campaign. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how the Walker campaign emerges in a year where there there are you know, headwinds that you're, you know, you're running into. My prediction is you're going to see a guy who knows how to stay on message. And, you know, he's going to be talking about the Wisconsin stuff. He's going to be talking about 2.9% unemployment. And he's going to be talking about economic growth and those type of things. I, I, I don't think he's going to go off message. I just wish the leader of the free world would be able to have that same discipline. I wish a lot more people would have that same discipline, but yeah, you're exactly right. Right. No, thanks for going. And again, I, I mean, look, I, I understand that there's an aspect of it that, that's sort of entertaining from the perspective of what, um, you know, what, 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 what is he going to say next? And, you know, gee, where, where is he going to go off? But, I mean, at the same time, you've got this this loose cannon type of thing, and sometimes the loose cannon explodes, and it you know makes a great shot on the rival ship. Other times, it shoots the cannonball up in the air, and the cannonball comes down and smashes a hole in the deck of the own ship. That that's kind of what's going on here. And I I I admit, was it great theater and TV entertainment when I saw him pick up that script yesterday and throw it in the air? At the same time, I was thinking, if I was one of the president's aides in the back, I'd be thinking, oh my God, where are we going here? And, you know, we're, we're going completely off message. So once again, the story isn't look at the great stuff that was done with the tax cuts and look how this is making a difference in the average person's life. It's, okay, we're back to the millions of people voting illegally in the 2016 election. Come on. 
Big story number three is coming up. It's 1245. This is Jeff Wagner. It's also the reason uh, big story number three is the, the subject and the reason why the stock market is down big again today. Stick around. 1246. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1249, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's been a bumpy week on Wall Street. Are investors losing their patience with an unpredictable president? And what effect is it having on your 401k? John and Melissa explore at 434 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Yeah, if it, I, I understand that there's some people who think, ah, oh, what do I care about the stock market? That's only for rich people. Well, the, the truth is you, you should be caring about the stock market because the stock market um, for many, many people, as we've talked about on many occasions, uh, the, the days of the, the days of private pensions are, are pretty much over, uh, unless you are perhaps a government worker and will be a government worker for your entire life, or in certain certain unionized trades. But even that is becoming less and less of a likelihood. The reality is more and more businesses in the private sector and even in the public sector now are starting to go to 401k plans or things like that where employees take responsibility for their retirements. Um, That's just the reality. So, you know, when the stock market drops 500 points, if you've got a 401k plan, yeah, it, 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 it matters. Now, in any given day, you know, what's going to happen? Well, you know, a lot of times the stock market is based on, you know, what what's going on in a particular day. And if you panic every time there's some bad news that's out there, well, and then get out of the market, well, what's going to happen is you're going to miss the, the, the gains. But lately the stock market has been on much more of a roller coaster ride. Today the stock market, as I'm sitting here, the Dow is down 500 points. Yuck which is a 2% drop. The NASDAQ, which is kind of the tech equivalent of the Dow, that's down um, 121, which is 1.72%. So, for example, if you had all your money in some index fund that tracked the Dow, which would not be a smart thing to do, but if you had all your money in an index fund like that, you'd lost 2% of your money as of right now today. Now, you don't need your money today, so you know it, it's not like, oh, gosh, this is just so – this is terrible – but there, there's these roller coaster rides, and you've seen it. The Dow down 500 points, and the Dow up 300, then down another 500. And it does not appear to me that a lot of this is based on economic fundamentals, but rather it's based on this fear or exuberance based on what is going on in a given day in, in Washington or, or in the world, and, and people are reacting to that. I don't think there's any doubt. Now, there were some disappointing job numbers throughout today. That's not what's driving the Dow down 507 points as we speak. Instead, it's the fact that the president appears intent on picking a trade war with China. And what's worse is the president, and see, and again, I, at the risk of being somebody who's, you know, labeled this never Trumper and a Trump critic, um, you know, tariffs, first of all, we do not win trade wars. That That's just trade wars are not good for anyone. And I, I think the idea of using tariffs, um, that is a, a that is a very non-Republican concept. But the president, he talked about it during the campaign. So now he's talked about, you know, he's threatening imposing tariffs on various Chinese imports into this country. 
So, um, you know, what, what happened is China has now said, okay, look, if you're going to impose tariffs on us, here's what we're going to do. We're going to impose tariffs on $50 billion worth of uh, American products, um, soybeans, pork, a lot of agricultural stuff because the U.S. is a major um, exporter of agricultural things to China. So China says, all right, look, if you're going to impose these tariffs on us, we're going to respond by imposing tariffs on you. And this would be particularly bad for Wisconsin, where a number of our agricultural exports are, again, to China. So now the cost of our goods goes up. What's been worse about this is there's no question that China, I think, is China manipulates currency. China is, I, I think, an, plays dirty when it comes to international trade. But the problem is that President Trump hasn't been able to get any unity from other trade partners. So he hasn't been able to get most European countries who are willing to sign on and say, okay, we're going to go after China as well. So what you have is the U.S. pretty much going it alone, and you have the U.S. stock market now down 535 points. This, to me, is incredibly destabilizing at a time when we don't need to be destabilized. If you want to renegotiate treaties, renegotiate treaties, all right? If you think you can get better deals by going back to the bargaining table, fine. If you think you can bring pressure on China by, uh, again, trying to get European allies to act with you, okay, I think that makes sense. But just saying, okay, we're going to pick a trade war with China, to me, is a losing strategy. And you are starting to see this play out with the swings of the stock market. And again, there's no reason in the world for the stock market to be down 525 points right now and the NASDAQ to be off 126. There's no reason for this other than the fact that you've got the president who is now, you know, saber-rattling and threatening the trade war, and China is responding, and people are freaking out on both sides. This is something that, again, when, when we say can't everybody just get along, the answer is you got to get along, and everybody should care about this because, for example, you have all your money in an index fund tied to the NASDAQ. You know, you've lost 1.8% of your money in your retirement fund if you have that sort of thing. Now, you should have a balanced portfolio. Hopefully not too many people have it all tied into that type of index fund. But you see my point. What happens is when people start talking about these things, and when the president starts saber-rattling, there are real-world implications that affect us all. And that's why some of these policies need to be better thought out. And if that makes me a never-Trumper, no, it makes me somebody who cares about all of our retirement plans. 1256, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 109, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, 27 degrees. Eric Bilstead, it's 27 degrees outside. I, it's just, I, oh, oh Bilstead, this, this is the glasses half full guy. He says, well, it's, it's going to be 40 on, on Tuesday. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, I, I, I swear, I think it is going to snow until June. I, I mean, it's 27 degrees. And, and I mean, I understand occasionally you get little cold snaps, but it's been... 
What, what happened to spring? There is like no spring at all around here. I was saying at the start of the show, I was driving around this morning running errands. I'm, people are out there in, in, in parkas and bundled up. You, you'd think it's the middle of January. Instead, it is a 27 degrees outside, and it doesn't look like there's any major relief. Yeah, it might get up to 40. Well, okay, but let's have a party. I'm getting out of town for a couple of days next week. I'm going to go look to try to find the uh, sun. All right, th- th- this story continues to percolate, and I-, I swear I think everybody is missing the bigger point here. Um, all right, uh, Dale Cuyenga, who is a Brookfield Republican, he's a state representative, he is running for the state Senate, he's a good guy, right? Fiscal, conservative, um, good public servant. If I lived in that district, I would vote for him. So that that's it. All right, he, he's been in the news a lot lately, and this all has to do with a, a, a sign from last year. For reasons that pass understanding, in Wisconsin, we allow people to put crap up on the walls of the state capitol. There's just no nice way to say it. Very few capitals would allow this to happen. Trust me. If you went down to the federal building in downtown Milwaukee, where I worked for about a dozen years, and you decided you wanted to put up some sign that said Barack Obama stinks or Donald Trump stinks or whatever, and you decided you wanted to put your crappy sign up on the wall, it would be taken down in about 10 seconds, right? So there is that that's just the way it works. You cannot, in most places... Just stick whatever you feel like up on the walls of the Capitol. We in Wisconsin, for reasons that pass understanding, allow people to put their crap up on the walls at the state Capitol because, well, it's the people's house. We don't want to trample on the right of protest. Well, it's one thing to say you can protest. It's another thing to say that, you know, in, in a building where business is conducted, that you can put crap up on the walls. But we let that happen. And, of course, since Scott Walker took over in 2000, um, beginning 2011, what you've had is you have a bunch of these protesters, these folks that have little or no life, who, you know, show up and they do their songs and they beat their drums and things like that. And, and so this is their reason for living. They want to protest. All right. So we let people put junk up on the walls of the Capitol. All right. So what happens is last May, there's this guy, he's 80 years old or something, and he takes a sign and he puts it um, in the Capitol Rotunda. Um, and the sign criticizes President Trump um, without naming him, but calls him corrupt and a serial groper. It says Republicans back the president. We the people be damned. All right. So um, he get the guy had gotten a permit to put the crappy sign up in the Capitol. And he says he tapes the tapes the permit to the back of the sign. All right, the sign had been in the rotunda, but what happened is it had been moved into a vestibule to clear space for a public event. So uh, along comes the state representative. He says, now this is his story that he's telling to people at town hall. He says he thinks it's odd that the sign was there. He said he had safety concerns. He picks up the sign. He said he saw nothing behind it that said it had a permit. He he said, I didn't realize that this had a permit to be there. His story is, I picked up the sign because I thought it was uncivil and posed a safety risk, and so he takes the sign. 
The guy who put up the sign complains, my sign is gone. So the Capitol Police investigate. They see a security video showing the representative taking the sign. They go to the security, they, they go to the rep. He says, yeah, I've got it. Here's the sign. Give it back to him. All right. So that's that's the deal. That That's the, the deal here. Crappy sign put up on the wall. Um, apparently moved. State representative sees it. It's got nasty things on it about Republicans. He takes it off the wall, takes it back to his office. Guy complains, where's my sign? He gets it back. Right? That that's That's the whole deal. End of story. Except the guy that put up the sign decides my civil rights have been violated, and he files a lawsuit against the state and, um, you know, and against the state. So because Kuyunga was, again, as he's a state representative, so when you file it against the state representative, um, you're, you're essentially filing it against the state. That's how it works. They ended up settling the case last week for $30,000. $30,000, the majority of which I got to believe are, are legal fees because the way the screwy system works is, you know, you, you're entitled in these types of lawsuits to collect your legal fees. So you have somebody who has essentially no damages, but, you know, uh, but because they win, they get to have their, their legal fees paid for them. So there's a story in today's paper. I don't know if it made the print edition. But it, it's, again, it, it's talking about this, and it's ripping uh, the state representative for saying he, he thought the, the sign was a, a security risk, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the you know give and take going back and forth between the parties on this. and that, there, So there's a political element to this. But this entire story is missing the biggest point, which is what people should be talking about. I guess point number one would be, why do we allow people to put crappy signs up on the state capitol? That's number one. But number two, 30 grand? I, I mean, you want to talk about, at least in my opinion, an example about how whacked out the law is and why the law needs to change. It is a situation where you can sue over an issue like this and you can collect $30,000. Now, I'm sure the reason this case was settled is because you had some of these lawyers looking at it and saying, well, you know, if we continue to pursue this, well, these legal fees could be 50000 or 100000 or $150,000. So, you know, you talk about throwing good money over bad. But when you have situations where the damages are almost nothing, right, the guy's sign was taken down, he got the sign back, able to put it up again, the idea that you can collect $30,000, even if some or all of that money goes to the lawyers, is to me crazy and that's where the outrage should be not whether the state rep was right to take down the sign or not really you know should you put up signs that's all other that's all collateral stuff 30 grand for this isn't that nuts 414-799-1620 that's the acunate mortgage talk and text line that to me is what has me shaking my head i understand where that money comes from but it seems to me this needs to be one of these deals where everybody should pay their own lawyers and merely the fact that, I don't know, the guy might have been wrong in taking down the sign, that in no way, at least in my opinion, translates into a $30,000 claim. We discuss next. It's 117, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 120, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Ryan and Oconomowoc. Hi, Ryan. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. What do you think? 
Um, you know what? I think I think your point about you know that it is a, it's a it's a silly law that we allow pe- people to put up signs in the Capitol building. Okay, um, that then that's worth debating, and and if the law needs to change, it it should be. Um, but but it it is a law. Um, th- this guy took that sign down. Yep. Um, the, the permit was on the back of the sign. In fact, he kept the sign in his office because if I mean if it was really trash, he would have just thrown it away. He, he knew that there was something. I mean it. Yep. There's no reason to keep it. Okay, so he knew what he did was wrong, um, and and I'm not a fan of lawsuits. But sometimes when th- this is the law, this is the law of the land, right? Okay, I, and Brian, I, I will concede for the sake of argument all that. I yep. can't get over thirty thousand bucks. Well, <laughs> you know what? You know what that thirty thousand bucks is, though. That's that's us talking about this. Okay, and that's why sometimes lawsuits are not the worst thing because what what is the other recourse here? The guy just says the guy who signed it was says, well, oh, that's okay. You know, well, well you, okay. you, well, the you get it. Like his, the guy said, well, okay, but, but his, but his, he, he went through everything he was supposed to do to put that sign up. Right. He took out the legal permit to do it. Yep. So that is actually, so, right, I understand 30000 is a lot and it's ridiculous, but yep. it, he, we would not have to spend that money if the guy wouldn't have taken the well, but, sign down. I, right, no, but, Brian, I, I get all that. I, I mean, but, but $30,000, to me, what, what are the damages here? Okay, so, so the, the sign, he was inconvenienced a little because his crappy sign, Got taken off the wall for a little bit. He had to track it down. Okay, so you've got a little bit of time there. See, most of this is legal fees trying to pursue it, I would guess. I don't know where how they break this thing out. I'm just saying $30,000 for even if you assume everything you're saying, representative was in the wrong, shouldn't do this, you don't buy his argument that he thought it was a security risk. Okay, I'll concede all of that. What, what in a real world, what are the damages? You give him the guy sign back and you give him 10 bucks for his trouble. We're paying out $30,000. And the bigger point of this is I think this shows how screwed up the system is that you can have what are minimal, what are minimal sort of violations of your quote unquote rights that get magnified, and of course this gives the incentive for lawyers to wade into this because they figure, okay, if we can win the case, we can get our fees and we can get our paydays. I I just think this is a screaming example of why the law needs to be changed to say, okay, well maybe if you bring these types of lawsuits, that's fine, you can do them, but you're not going to be entitled to the prevailing party isn't going to um, get their attorney's fees. You're going to have to pay for your own lawyer, and you're going to decide, we're going to decide independently what your damages are. And yes, does that mean that maybe you're not going to be able to afford to file a lawsuit in time to time? Okay, that's fine. But what are the guy's real damages, for goodness sakes? That's, to me, again, what I think is the story here, $30,000, which in my opinion is completely and totally outrageous, way out of whack in terms of what the damages really were. 123, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 125, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Several TV anchors have come under heavy fire recently after following through on orders from management. What does it mean for local journalism moving forward? Gene Miller takes a look at 621 Monday on Wisconsin's Morning News. He's, of course, referring to that story. Um, Sinclair Broadcasting, which owns a series of TV stations across the country, um, they sent out like an editorial um, to the different local news stations, and the directive was, hey, we, we want you to read this, and it was talking about you know, their commitment to cover news and the way they were going to do it, and this has now become somewhat of a cause celeb. Um, 
Gene talks about it at 621 tomorrow. All right. I have been, I have been wanting to do this topic for a week or two. And, and today, today is the day we do it. The, I, I was at Easter brunch, told the story briefly yesterday. I was at Easter brunch with my, my brother, sister-in-law and my 11 year old uh, nephew, Alex. And I, I, I said, Hey, he, he, he loves to play the, the video games. And you no, know, it's always kind of a challenge to, Get him out of the basement, especially when school is off, and get him out playing basketball and things like that. You know, go out and do stuff. But for the longest time, it was Call of Duty. So I had heard about this game called Fortnite. Eric Bilstead, have you ever heard? Have you heard about Fortnite? Mm-mm. Okay, all right, all right. Well, all right. We we are of a different generation. Okay, I had heard about this thing called Fortnite, which F O R T N I T E, which apparently this is the new video game. So I said to Alex, I said, do you play Fortnite? He says, yeah. And he says, as a matter of fact, he, he's got his own YouTube channel. Oh, my God. Oh, he's got his he own, posts he's his, got his own. He's got his own yeah. YouTube channel, and he posts his Fortnite games, and he offers a running commentary on these things. Really and I'm, like, listening to this, and I'm going, what? I said, do people watch this? And he, I mean, he said, yeah, I've got like, I think he said 37, you know, subscribers. And if I get a million, I, I get all sorts of money and stuff. Do you want to plug it on the radio? And I'm not, I don't know I'm going to go that far. And this isn't a plug for it. It's, I'm kind of thinking, okay, people would actually like spend 20 minutes of their time watching. And, and again, apparently it's, it's the screen and watching my, my yeah. nephew, who's a very witty young man, you know, do commentary while he's playing Fortnite. Those are 20 minutes of my life that I would want back. But I, again, I, I just, I don't know. So he's telling me about this. And then I said, well, I, I'm curious, what, what is it about Fortnite that ha- has such an appeal? And then he's talking, oh, it's kind of like Call of Duty, except you build things and all. I said, yeah, you just got to kind of get in and do this. I thought, oh, okay. Well, all right, today, there's th- not one, not two, there's three stories in the mainstream media talking about Fortnite. Um, article in the Washington Post written by a woman who is complaining that this game is taking away, apparently they're, they're guys are playing this to the point that there's save your relationship. Is the video game Fortnite stealing your loved one? <laughs> All right, Washington Post today. I, honest to God, I, I hand in the air, Eric. There it is. There's there have the story. been video games for decades that have taken guys away from their relationship. Let me read you the beginning of it. Many are frustrated with their significant others again, but this time it's not about forgetting to put the toilet seat down or letting hair clog up the sour drain. shower drain. Women have taken to social media and started petitions calling for a ban on Fortnite, a wildly popular video game that has robbed them of attention from their significant others who are too engrossed in a fictional Hunger Games-esque world to return calls or text messages. It's taking over our boyfriend's lives and blaming them. This woman writes on this change.org thing. Get rid of Fortnite. Um, and it's receiving uh, thousands of signatures. I have better um, advice. Get rid of your man. Well, I, right. I mean, what, yeah, what does that say if they'd rather play the video game than see you? But, <laughs> but regardless... This is a thing. I've got this other story today. This was in uh, the New York Post. Popular video game, driving teens wild and parents crazy. You know, remember last year you had the Pokemon craze? Everybody was chasing that. Then you had the fidget spinners. Mm -hmm. Now it is this Fortnite thing. Okay, got to take a break for Eric's news. But 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage talk and text line. I've got a couple theories. But my, my first question is this. Do you play this Fortnite game? game 
And I, I want to talk about what the appeal of this is. I, I know when we had everybody playing the Pokemon Go thing, we had jam phone lines, people that were talking about that controversy. Are you into Fortnite? And why? 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If, if you don't know about this video game called Fortnite, you are, you're behind the times. This is the latest craze. This is the, this is the Pokemon Go of the moment. This is the fidget spinner of the moment. And uh, particularly popular among teenage boys and young adult men. To the point that there's people writing about how relationships are breaking down, how this is becoming an issue in schools because kids are bringing in like the mobile app and playing it during the the day. My my nephew admits to being kind of addic- addicted to this. Um, he says he thinks he's he's pretty good at it. I'm not I'm not mocking. I'm trying to understand. Let's start with Ryan in Milwaukee. Ryan, hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Are you a Fortnite player? I am. I, 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 and I, I'll admit that at first I really didn't like the game because my little, like, eight and ten year old nephews were just all about it. Oh, Ryan, go play Fortnite. It's awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, I think one of the biggest draws first is it's free to play. Yes, yes. So, Unlike a lot of these other ones that you have to pay into. Right, right. Right, absolutely. You can pay. And the only thing that pays, when you pay, the only thing that gets better is your guy looks different than everybody else. That's literally the only thing money does for you. Okay. Um, I I've seen all the little videos and you know things online of these girls. You know, stop paying attention to this game and blah blah blah. Which I think, first of all, I think it's hilarious. And back to your guys' point, where then you know look at the guy you're hanging out. With. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. 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 What, what's going on if he's more interested in the video game than, than you? I mean, what, what does that say, one way or the other? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Okay. Um, so no, but okay. So let me ask you this, friend. How old are you? I'm 27. How how many hours in a given week would you say that you spend playing this game? Uh, between work and school, maybe five in a whole week. Okay. Five, five or ten. Okay. Um, yeah. Are you married? Yeah. What, what does your wife think about that? She actually likes the game. It's oh. kind of funny, actually. She, she, if she's starting to get a little worn out of it, because I mean, we've had it now, it's probably been almost a year we got it like last summer i think is when i downloaded it right so i mean but she likes it too because i think the, the draw of it is it's you against a hundred people so if you can just even improve like like you die you die so you still it'll tell you right there you finished 46 right of 100 so if you can go hey the next time i did i got top 20 like, right. like, oh, I can probably, I can probably get into the top ten next time if I just keep playing. Right. So it's it's like this battle. It's sort of like a battle royal thing, and you're playing with other people. Yeah. Okay, That's thanks for the call. No, I appreciate it. For for one, Ryan's 27 years old. He says he spends about five hours a week playing the game. Let's talk to Tom in Sheboygan. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi, Tom. Um, I don't know if I can give all this information, but. My son is, so there's a ranking in this game, and that's one of the addictions to this game. Everybody wants to be the best, obviously. And so you, you get points for all the time you play, so it's kind of like the old, when you'd go to the old, like, Space Invaders games, and they'd have the list of, like, the high score, and everybody wanted to be the high score. It's something like that, you mean? Sure. Okay, and got it. What it's related to is the most the most kills, the type of kills, though the way that the weapons that you use, like, my son is the only person... I'll give his player name. His player name is Caution 
A-F-F. So anybody that wants to look him up on YouTube or on Facebook, he's got channels on both that you can watch him live play. How, and how old is your son? He's 15. Okay, got it. Okay. And, and to put that in perspective, he's like second in the country. Okay. As far as, as far as the level of the game. Um, there's nobody, nobody in the world, for that matter, um, has some of the accomplishments that he has. Um, like for instance, to be able to one shot, two kills, he's the only person in the world to have that. Um, there's a few other things that he has that nobody else can achieve. How many hours, let me, how many hours a week would you say he spends playing the game? Okay. okay, That's where I was going to go with this. (laughs) So, um, he works, um, he goes to jujitsu class. He's supposed to go to jiu-jitsu three nights a week. He only goes one night a week if we can force him to go now. Force him to go, right. He's so addicted to the game. He, his grades have dropped. He was um, in um, the honor roll system. He was a top student. He is probably, and not to insult my son, I love him, but he's probably towards the bottom of his class now. This has just been one year that he's been playing this. He's a freshman in high school. He's a great kid. He's very bright. He's, there's so much going for him. But, but this, game, this game has become such an addiction for him. Um, he's very good at it. He's very, very talented. He's got lots of followers, something like 40,000 followers um, that he's got registered already. And, he's, I mean, he's, there's a lot of people that literally watch him play the game every day, and he's playing it from the time he gets home from school until the time he goes to bed. And we have to pry him away from it for dinner. We have to pry him away from it for chores. We have to pry him away from, from it for school activities. <laughs> it's, it's more well, of a curse, but he is really good at it. Okay, Tom, I know, I, I've got to ask you the question that everybody that's listening to the, you and me talk <laughs> is, is asking now, which is, if it's affecting his grades and his interest in outside activities, why don't you take the game away from him? Well, see, that's what we've been able to do for him is that he enjoys playing the game. He's really good at it. Mm-hmm. And we've been able to take the things that he's failing at and, and, and change those things and, and make him put those things as priorities. And that's that's the direction that we really want to go with him. That he's not allowed to play the game, so anybody that's following him would see that there's hours at night where he used to be on consistently. Now he's missing. So he's, like, missing from the action. Right. And, and he was complaining to me the other, the other day about it, that, hey, Dad, you know, um, people aren't watching me anymore. It's like, yeah, they are. They're watching you. They, it, don't give me that line. You have this that you have to do. You have right. to go outside. It just snowed. You have to go outside and shovel the snow. That's what <laughs> has to happen. Right. The dog needs to go out. You have to take the dog out. Right. So, yeah, it's put a, more, a new president on his responsibilities, and he's actually, I think, become more responsible, if that makes any sense, the last couple of weeks. He's been getting in trouble for it. Right. Yeah. Interesting. No. Th- thanks for the perspective, Tom. I. I, I just. I, I'm. I'm just flooded with emails here. Let's see. Um, Jeff, my 16 year old son plays. I have to admit, I love watching him play. The games can last five minutes to 30 minutes. If I'm walking through his room, I can stop and watch for a few minutes, and then move on. And somebody. And he says, anyway, I, I can spend time with a teenager. I. I'm going to enjoy that. And I, I guess that's. That's fine, um, but it's kind of like, um, you know, wow, it, it, th- this has this is the latest craze. And I think, you know, number one, it is free, and I think that's a factor. And number two, I, I think it is probably this deal where you're playing against all these other people, and you can kind of 
measure your skills. Let's talk to Josh in Greenfield. Josh on WTMJ. Hello. Josh. Josh. Okay, let's try Matthew and Elkhorn. Matthew, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, so I just want to touch um, based on something that the last caller was saying. You can play video games for extended amounts of time and still keep up in your day-to-day activities such as schooling and everything. Throughout middle school and high school and up until right now, I've played multiple hours of video games a day, more or less. Some some days I don't play. Some days I play multiple hours. How old are you, I mean, Matthew? I was still... How old are you, Matthew? How old? I'm 24. Okay, got it. Okay, great. Okay. Go ahead. Right. I'm sorry. And I, you know, I was top 20 in my graduating high school class, and I did martial arts for six years. You can... I want to make it clear to people that video games are going to affect people differently just based on a person, the person type of thing, you know, living in Wisconsin, just just like alcohol, it's going to affect people differently based on person to person. Well, right, which is all the more reason why guys like Tom, if if they see somebody playing the video game and they think it's affecting his schoolwork or, um, you know, interest in outside activities, I think mom and dad have to rein it in. I think, you know, because it's like anything, it can get out of control. Correct, correct. And I... You know, I completely agree with that, but at the same time, there's a certain point that whoever, you know, whether it is a child or even an adult, like all those uh, ladies are complaining about online, there's a certain point that it's up to the person to make the change or to find the balance in between and say, okay, yes, I want to play this game for multiple hours on and potentially, but... I have other things that I still need to take care of outside of video games. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I get the video game thing, but I, I think I like women better, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, I agree. <laughs> that's, that, that's just kind of me. Okay, have you have you played Fortnite, Matthew? I have. I actually um, played it before it was free-to-play, and then I have played a little bit of the Battle Royale, which is the free-to-play version. Um, I've played it a little bit with my older brother, who... He plays it constantly, but to me, it it does not have that appeal that it does to so many other people. But I do understand the appeal simply because it is it is you know you against right. other people, or and you can even you know team up with friends of yours or people that you happen to meet online, and you every match is going to be different in some way, shape, or form. Right. Whether it's you're going to start differently, you're going to find a different item, you're going to have a different tactic. Got it. Well, thank, thanks for the perspective. I, I just, I just, I, I bring this up because I'm just, I'm intrigued by this whole thing. And and again, the question becomes: Is this a, is it a fad? Is it something that's going to last? And I mean, I, I typically what I found, and we had this conversation with the Pokemon Go stuff, and people were saying, no, 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 this is going to be around. This is going to be the thing for the next several years, and. And, and and it was a big thing last year, and you just you don't hear that much about Pokemon Go now. Now maybe once the weather gets better, it'll do it again. But it it does seem to me that you go we go through these different types of fads. But um, Fortnite is the latest one to the point that apparently this is latched onto something so that there's even petitions for women complaining their boyfriends would rather play the video game than give them attention. I don't get that one. It's one forty eight. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
152, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Baseball is back, and I want to send you to Miller Park. Be listening during the next hour of the program, sometime between, oh, about 2.08 and 3 o'clock. I am going to be giving away a four-pack of tickets to see the Brewers play the Florida Marlins on Saturday, September 21st. This is part of our Welcome Back Baseball promotion, but it's not just four tickets to see the, the ball game. I'm also going to be giving somebody a $50 gift card, courtesy of our sponsor, MelvinMulch.com. I am thrilled. I'm thrilled to have this promotion, and we're going to be doing it uh, for the next couple weeks as well. But sometime in the next hour, sometime between about 2.10 and 3 o'clock, I will be giving away that four-pack of tickets. So check it out. This is a story that we, we've been you know, talking about all, all day. Matter of fact, at the, at the end of the 12 o'clock hour, as part of the the thing about the president picking a trade war with with China and how I just think that's that's insanity. Um, I, I told you that the Dow at the time was down five hundred points. We talked a little bit about why th- that that makes a difference. Now, on any given day, you're going to have a stock market fluctuation, um, but at the same time, you know we've been seeing more of these massive decreases and you know admittedly increases as well. Over the last couple months, as things have become incredibly volatile, and I think that is in response to, I don't know, some of the things that that the president is doing and saying. When we talked about this, oh, about an hour ago, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 500 points, which is a a lot. Um, Over the last hour, it has gotten much, much worse. Right now, the Dow Jones is down 690-some-odd points. That's a 2.8% drop. The NASDAQ, which is like tech-heavy, lots of technological companies, the NASDAQ is down 175 points. And, again, for, forget the points. Look at the percentages. Uh, the percentages, that's a 2.45% drop, which, again, to try to put this in perspective, let's say you've got your retirement funds and they're all invested in a, a mutual fund that tracks the Dow. Now, that hopefully nobody does that. That that I think, I don't play a financial planner on the radio, but I think almost anybody would say having all your money in just like one investment would not be smart. But let's say for the sake of argument, you're in an index fund that tracks the Dow. Well, you know, just today, you've lost 2.85% of your money. <laughs> it just, and, and I don't know that there's really a reason for this. There was a jobs report that was, a little bit unexciting, but that's not, and doesn't strike me as being the type of thing that would set this off. What, what you really have is the president saber rattling about getting into a trade war with China, China responding by saying, okay, well, you know, if you start slapping tariffs on our, you know, the stuff that we are exporting to the United States, we're going to respond by uh, slapping an equal amount of tariffs on the stuff that the United States is exporting and into China. And, you know, for states for states like Wisconsin, that would be particularly bad because a lot of our exports are agricultural type of exports. exports. Of course, the market is responding in a very bad way, down now 730-some points. 730-some points, which is almost a 3% drop in the market. Again, I don't think this reflects economic fundamentals. This just kind of reflects almost panic over what's going on, which is why the the things, whether it's the president or Congress, those things do matter because they have this ripple effect that goes to the market. And if you're sitting there saying, well, 
I, I don't care. Why do I care about, you know, economic policy and trade policy? Well, if you've got money in the stock market and your 401k plans, you, you should care. Um, we got a lot of stuff coming up in the two o'clock hour. Ascension Wisconsin bails. Well, not bails, but cuts back on St. Joe's, pop culture corner, Indian mascots, fake news. It's all coming up. It's 156. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So, Eric, um, Greg's report, he, he taped it, obviously, a little bit earlier. Um, Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods, um, four over par for the term. He's fallen apart today. Three over, three over par for the round through five holes. Now, let me ask you, does that make you happy? Some people hate him. Other people love him. Okay, let me answer it like this. I, um... I think Tiger, as a golf fan and a golf player myself, sure. I think he's good for the game because when he plays, ratings yeah. go go up. We all care because right, people are either rooting for him or people are rooting against him. More people root for him. Um, so I mean, I, I think he's good for the game. To answer your question directly, I give him credit for for coming back at his age. Mm-hmm. You know, which is really, you know, he's in his 40s. He's yeah, so yeah. really, really old. You're playing against these guys who are in their 20s who grew up watching him play, you know, who, who've like taken all his, you know, his thing. So the fact that, that he's able to be competitive after those injuries is great. I, I will say this. I, um, I'm not a Tiger Woods fan. The, his, his behavior, you know, before the injuries, I just thought it was despicable. I, I just did. And I, I can't. I can't get over it. I, and, and I, I understand. I'm, I'm probably in the minority. I think he's good for the game, but, um, the, the way he marketed himself as being this, you know, great American idol and this is, you know, he's got yeah, this but great they family. All do that, well, yeah. I don't know. I know. See, you don't know these people. No, well, well, right. That's it. And it turns out they have feet of clay, but I don't accept that. I, I don't, I don't buy that idea that, that everybody does it. I, I don't believe that. All every professional golfer or every athlete that's creating an image of hey family values and I'm an upstanding guy. I don't believe that they're all sleazes. I I, I just well, I don't. I, I'm sure they're not all sleazes, but I, I I firmly believe we don't know these people enough to. Well, and when we put them on pedestals like we did, I, I was guilty of it too. We shouldn't be surprised when later we learn. Well, well no, you should. Right. Sh- I mean, okay, they fooled us. Shame people. on. Right. The fool. Okay. They, right. They, they yeah. fooled us. Shame on me. But at the same time, um, I mean, that was the whole marketing image behind Tiger Woods. I mean, here you have the all American boy. And look, he's got the gorgeous wife. He's got the good kids. Mm-hmm. And, and here, th- this is the all American boy. And he's, you know, picking up waitresses at the local pancake house and taking them back to his place to have sex the minute his wife goes out. I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I, I you know, I do you. That was my honest answer to your question. <laughs> I'm not that, a fan yeah. of Tiger. I I think he's good for the game. I'm glad he's back. It actually does. I mean, I, I watch so it. So you and, want him to make the cut then? No, I don't care. I mean, I, I mean, no. I mean, I, I did just just a couple of minutes ago. I, I checked it out on the computer and I saw him. He he'd hit one deep into you know the the woods and he mm-hmm. was just having to knock it out there. I I, I just I'm glad he. I guess I'm glad he's back, but. Um, no, I'm, I'm not a huge Tiger Woods fan, and, okay. that, and that's that, that, that's we we. And, but you are. No, see, that's not true. I'm not. I'm huh? not a fan, but I do find myself 
rooting for his success. But by saying that, I don't support any of the craziness. You know, I don't, I don't like him as a person. Right. But for some reason, having grown up watching him play and appreciating his, his right. phenomenal talent, I find myself rooting for him. And I don't know why. I can't really right. describe it. See, I would much rather root for, um, for example, one of his contemporaries, Phil Mickelson, who, well, yeah, lefty, I, I, I like right, him. who I, I think, I think Mickelson, and maybe again, maybe it's it, maybe it is naive on my part. I mean, maybe all these guys are are like that, and all these guys just create this image, and the real person isn't that. And um, I, I I I think Mickelson is a good guy, and I would rather root, for example, for a good guy. I can appreciate so that for that's, sure. That, but that's but in any event, Tiger Woods um <laughs> four, four four over par for the day so far. I don't the Masters they do the cut a little bit differently. Right now he's tied for 43rd. I don't know I I don't know how I don't I don't know whether it's 10 shots or whether you have to be in the top whatever. I don't know how they do the cut at the Masters. Jay Sorge would know that off the top of his head. <laughs> um but <laughs> it's going to come running in here in a second. Though. Uh well that's that's okay. I mean I I I would think that if he doesn't pick it up he would probably be in danger of uh danger of uh Missing the cut. Uh, the, the story that we have been watching, and, and Eric's been talking about it um, in the news all day, is that the Dow, it, it's ugly. Um, we've got 45 minutes or so to go before the Dow closes. Right now, uh, the Dow is off 685 points, which is up a little bit from where it was a little while ago, 700 and some points. But when we started talking about the drop uh, at, at like 1 o'clock, it was down 500. So it's been just a, a brutal day. The the aspect of this that candidly annoys me a, a little bit is this this is all because of the saber rattling from from President Trump. This is concerns about the economic effects of getting into a trade war. And as a as a conservative Republican, I, I have always been, you know, a proponent of free trade. I, does China does China abuse things? Yes, they do. And, and you know, do we need to renegotiate or look at at um, different trade agreements? Yes, we do. But if you're going to, for example, try to pick a fight with China, what you need to do is you need to have all the allies on board. You you need to have other trading partners on board, and, and nobody is to try to do this unilaterally is is silly because what happens is, all right, so the U.S. says. For Wisconsin products, for cranberries, right? China is now in retaliation for our tariffs. China is going to put on a X percent tariff on Wisconsin cranberries. All right. Well, then what ends up happening is, unless the other trade partners are on board, China just buys the cranberries from somewhere else, and, and so we don't accomplish anything. Um, this morning, President Trump says that um, he acknowledges that these tariffs could cause some pain in the U.S. economy. I'm not saying there's not going to be any pain, he says this morning in an interview that he was doing. He also acknowledged that the initial reaction from the markets is likely to be negative. Uh, the markets could lose a little bit. Well, <laughs> okay, well, all right. I guess if you have all the money that you need for the rest of your life, that you don't mind that the stock market takes a big old dump and drop 700 some points for a lot of people um we do mind about this and, and china's not backing down china thinks they've got the upper hand china says all right we, we don't want a trade war but we are not afraid to fight this if that's going to be the the case and 
The problem, I, I think, is taking on China without having support from other countries, like the European countries, you're just setting yourself up for failure. It would be one thing if everybody, Germany and, and Spain and Italy and Great Britain, you know, if, if you have like a European alliance that agrees, hey, China has been messing us over with trade, so what we need to do is we need to unilaterally act and get Canada in, get Mexico in. If you have all of that, you know, maybe you have some, some pressure and some bargaining power, but just to unilaterally pick a fight with China, I think, is a losing strategy. And at least for today, uh, the people on Wall Street would agree with me. It's 216. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right. Let's cue it up. Come see what's Welcome back, baseball. Let's talk about something fun. I have a four-pack of tickets to go see the Brewers play the Florida Marlins on Saturday night, April 21st, and and a $50 gift card from MelvinMulch.com. Um, can't get better than that. Caller number 14, 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Caller 14 wins our four-pack of tickets to see the Brewers play the Marlins and the $50 gift card from MelvinMulch.com. It's 217. This is Jeff Wagner. 219, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. We have our winner of the Brewers tickets. We'll be giving away more next week as we welcome back baseball. Ron says, Jeff, you need to go to church. Get Jesus in your life and learn how to forgive. I assume that is the reference to the Tiger Woods. It's not a question of forgiving. I don't need to forgive Tiger Woods. He doesn't need my forgiveness. Question was, do I root for him? And the answer to that is no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> it's just, I'm, I, I, I don't. I can't, sorry, can't, can't help it. I think they created, it was just a complete and total fraud and that, that's fine. I think he's good for the game of golf. Glad he's back playing. Uh, golf ratings go up, but no, I'm, I'm not a fan of Tiger Woods. Um, all right. I've, I've been meaning to mention this. Um, it is, it is understandable because of the business. But at the same time, um, it, it's not good for the community. Uh, Business Journal ran a piece. Let me back into this. I have it in front of me. August 10th of last year, August 10th of 2017, Ascension makes a long-term commitment to St. Joe's Hospital. St. Joe's Hospital, of course, long, long-standing Milwaukee hospital located in kind of the Sherman Park neighborhood. All right, so this is August of last year. Uh, this is the way Rich Kirchin in the Business Journal wrote it. Doubts about the future of Wheaton Franciscan St. Joe's campus in Milwaukee Sherman Park neighborhood were unfounded. And owner Ascension Wisconsin is committed to maintaining the facility as a safety net hospital. That's the main message from St. Joseph top executive, whatever, who Ascension appointed chief administrative officer eight months ago. Uh, the guy is a true believer in the hospital's mission of delivering care to the central city and is heavily engaged with the hospital's staff and surrounding community. We're a pretty good community hospital, so don't worry. Don't worry. How often do you hear this when there's like a, a, a takeover and it's don't worry, you know, things aren't going to change, we're going to be committed. And again, this is uh, headline. Ascension makes long-term commitment to St. Joseph Hospital. This is last August. I was skeptical of this at the time because the problem is the hospital had been losing a ton of money for a long time. Most of the, the patients that they were seeing were either Medicare or Medicaid patients. And, you know, it, it's, it's tough to make it with those different re- reimbursement levels. So I, I, I was skeptical of this, but that big story, don't worry, not going to be a problem. 
Okay, that's August 10th of 2017. So here's the story in the Journal Sentinel, April 5th. So August, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April. Okay, this is eight months later. Almost eight months later today, Ascension, Wisconsin, to reduce services at St. Joe's Hospital as part of a broader long-term plan. Ascension, Wisconsin, will no longer provide surgical and other services at St. Joseph's Hospital as part of a long-term plan to lessen its losses at the hospital and transform the hospital's role in the largely low-income neighborhood. The health system will continue to operate the emergency department and will continue to provide obstetric care, including their neonative intensive care unit, um, however, it's going to close the surgical and medical units and no longer produce other services at the hospital. Now, I get why they're doing this. This isn't a criticism of Ascension for doing it. But at the same time, I remember when they were saying this stuff eight months ago. Oh, don't worry. There's not going to be any changes. And I would kind of lump that into the category of I thought at the time, well, OK, don't pee down my back and tell me it's raining. Um, the economics were this was probably never, ever going to, you know, happen just because, uh, again, the economics were bad. But Ascension makes long-term commitment to St. Joseph Hospital. Uh, well, never mind. Never mind. Now, I understand they're not, they're still going to do the baby stuff and they're still going to have the emergency room. And that's all, that's all great. And it doesn't continue to provide that services. But I don't see how you can reconcile what they were saying in August of 2017 with what they are saying now. No surprise, just saying. It's 224. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. What responsibility do Wisconsin universities have to help students stay out of loan debt? John and Melissa ask that of UW-Milwaukee Chancellor Mark Money when he joins them at 3.20 on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Okay, um, this may be my favorite text of the day. Now, this is in response to my comments about how the, the stock market is in the tank today. And, and look, and I, I understand. I'm not telling everybody, pull the money out of the stock market, put it under the bed. Of course, you don't want to do that. You want to have a diversified por- portfolio, and you want to you know, be able to roll with the punches. But what what happens, what I guess I find to be frustrating, is where you have sort of bizarre economic choices that gratuitously cause the market to, for example, tank, I, I think it, it's fair to have at least a little bit concern of, with that. And picking a trade war with China and then saying, oh, okay, it's going to cause a little bit of pain, but it, it's going to all be okay, um, and trade wars are easy to win, I, I just, that does not make any sense to me. And Right now, the stock market down 652 points. That's come back a little. It was down 700 and some before. But um, I I think, you know, most people, you know, being stock market down, even if it's just one day, being down 700 points and maybe being in negative territory for the year. I'm not sure if it's that case or not. But um, I think it's cause for concern. So I get this email. You are a never Trumper. You will be wrong again. <laughs> okay, well, all right. The one thing I think we should all agree on is giant drops in the stock market are probably not a good thing, whether you're a never-Trumper or not. By the way, I'm not a never-Trumper. I'm a, I'm a let's not try to do dumb things. And in my opinion, at least, picking a tra- – and the opinion of many people on both sides of the aisle, trying to pick a trade war and impose tariffs on – some of our trading partners is probably not a smart idea. And if that's 
That makes me a never-Trumper. It makes Ron Johnson a never-Trumper and Scott Walker a never-Trumper and Tammy Baldwin a never-Trumper and all sorts of other people. That It's just kind of that sort of common-sense thing that is out there. There is a bizarre story, and I, I just I was going to comment on it, but it was one of those things that I, I just don't know what to say about it. Um, I've been around long enough to remember that different people that kind of cycle into and out of Wisconsin politics and and a few years ago um you know there was a there was a guy who was you know working in Wisconsin who you know was a, a conservative spokesperson he, he's now all over the news his name is Benjamin Sparks he's now well the headline is he, he went on every left Wisconsin to become a, a staffer for for Romney Ex-Romney staffer faces domestic abuse charge, repeatedly, reportedly had fiancé sign sex slave contract. Melissa Barkley, you're just shaking your head on this story. I read <laughs> about this yesterday. Yeah, it, it, it's like, okay, um, this is, now, he's, now he's in Las Vegas. A Las Vegas political advisor had worked on national campaigns for Republican candidates, including Mitt Romney's 2012 presidential campaign, allegedly physically abused his ex-fiancee, and had her sign a contract to be a sex slave. Um, the Las Vegas paper said the 46-year-old woman gave reporters copies of emails, text messages, and a signed copy of the five-page contract, which was dated November 3rd, Detailing her role as Benjamin Sparks' slave and property, I, I, where where does this come from? Where are these people? I, well, I think it, it sounds to me that it's very Fifty Shades of Grey. If you watch those movies, esque, yes, like yeah. that could be where this idea came from. Okay, all right. I think we got another Wagner's Rule of Life likes percolating here. Um, according to the police report, the couple began dating on November second. They began dating November second. The contract is signed november 3rd hmm <laughs> there is you know melissa there's this other world out there that, I, that we just, have no idea i, I about, have no idea I, I mean i know and, and thank god for that that's I mean, okay i'm okay being a yeah, little sheltered well right exactly <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm thinking okay my, my my life is apparently so boring. I've got my lovely wife. I've got my little dog. We're taking care of my stepdaughter's dog this week. That that's that's all the activity. That's all the excitement. You're okay with I that. Need. I I'm am okay with that. Yeah. The contract required. I know we're late for the news, but get this: the contract required the woman to keep and avert her eyes when she entered his presence, be nude at all times, have sexual relations with him whenever he wanted, and wear a collar in private, according to the newspaper. He was very demanding and did not take no for an answer, the ex-fiancé told the paper. Over the last month, it escalated. Uh, goes on and on and on. I, it is not often doing this job over the last 20-plus years that I have been rendered speechless. This store, and, and this guy was, was floating around Wisconsin. I mean, I remember talking to him. You know, we didn't talk about collars and things like that, but I do remember, I do remember talking to him about it. I live a sheltered life. Crew, who's producing the show, you're just, I mean... Okay, you're younger than me. This is you, you know you know anything about this stuff? No. Okay, right. That's, he's pleading the fifth. He's like, I know nothing. No, he said no. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he he said no. Oh, okay. Just, there's a whole other world mm-hmm. out there. It's two thirty-seven. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. If you're watching on our six twenty WTMJ dot com slash studio cam, me and Melissa, we're still back at the the, the Fifty Shades of Grade thing. I just don't get it. 
which is probably a, a good good thing. Okay, pop culture corner. We put aside the fact that the stock market is tanking. They'll be talking about that at the start of the 3 o'clock hour and trade wars and all the different stuff that's going on in the political elections. And we start to have a little bit of fun. And let me give you some good news. It is now 30 degrees outside. Um, which is not particularly good news, and it's going to be ridiculously stupid cold. I ran into Don Smiley, the president and CEO at Summerfest at opening day, and it was cold on opening day. And I said, well, hopefully you're going to get some better weather at the end of June when Summerfest kicks off. And he said, yes, I hope we do as well. I'm sure it will be better. Summerfest this week announced its lineup for 2018, and there's lots of great shows Clearly, they're, they're starting to move away from putting on the stuff that baby boomers like, and they're starting to go more and more towards the millennials. Countries getting downgraded a little bit, all sorts of different things. But it's you know it's an incredible lineup that they put together um, for their, the fifty first edition of Summerfest. They announced over a hundred and fifty acts, um, and a lot of them play people that have played before. Other times, people that haven't. And Summerfest is a lot of fun. I mean, I love Summerfest. I love State Fair. I think they're different experiences. Um, but but Summerfest is always really cool. I thought, in an effort to try to get us thinking about summer and concert seasons and things like that, on Pop Culture Corner, we, we would talk about music. And I just, I, I love music myself. I love the opportunity to go and see bands. I have great recollections of going to different shows at Summerfest. So I don't want to just limit this to Summerfest, but I thought for Pop Culture Corner this week, what we'll do a segment, I call this You Had to Be There. All right, your favorite concert of all time, the one that sticks in your memory. Maybe it was, you know, a a great big show at a stadium that you saw that you just absolutely loved. Maybe it was the show in in the club or at Summerfest, where you saw this group or a performer before the performer hit it big. Maybe it was just memorable for some other reason. But 414-799-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, you had to be there in honor of Summerfest, announcing its lineup and all the different guests. Right When you think back on the different shows that you may have seen, all the different venues. All right, what was the one that you say, man, Jeff? You had to be there to see this. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Once again, we're up on our WTMJ.com slash studio cam. I'm wearing my blue Packers sweatshirt for the day. We'll be back to talk in just a minute. As I always say during these segments, I encourage you to call quickly because our lines tend to jam up. I'm going to try to get to as many calls as I possibly can, and you don't have to overthink it. We do this for fun. It's 2.40. Back with your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 2.44, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Okay. Text line exploding. Definitely Summerfest. Tom Petty and ZZ Top at the Marcus. I saw, I, I was there. Saw that show. Uh, somebody else, Pearl Jam, back-to-back nights, great concert. And while it wasn't a Summerfest show, actually, I was, this is the note, it says, Sloppy Joe's Bar in Key West. Fran and I were there just a couple weeks ago. Back in 2008, Kenny Chesney played an impromptu show. How cool would that be? 414-799-1620. All right, your most memorable show. Let's talk to Tyler in Oconomowoc. Tyler, what show did I have to be there with you at? Uh, oh, the Guns N' Roses reunion tour back in November. And then back in 07, Van Halen, when David Lee Roth came back. <laughs> yeah. David Lee Roth, what kind of shape was he in back when he was doing that? Oh, he was awesome, man. He was 
running around the stage, jumping, hanging out with Eddie. It was just, <laughs> it was a night, man. Is it? it? Was great. Yeah, that's, well, th- thanks for calling me. And see, that's, I, I mean, a lot of times when I have gone and seen the performers, oh, a number of years after their heyday, I have been really disappointed. I saw um, Rod Stewart in, in Las Vegas last year, and I, I, my ring, the ringtones on my cell phone is Maggie May, the song. I, I, just, I just absolutely love that song. Um, Rod was was not having a good night that night, but it was still worth it. You, you saw him, and you know he was in his seventies, and I, I think you know life had kind of kind of caught up to him a little bit, but but nevertheless. Um, it, it was worth it to see the performance. But a lot of times when I go to these reunion shows, I'm a little bit disappointed. But uh, I, I get it. 414-799-1620, the show that you had to be there to see. Let's talk to uh, Bob in McGuanago. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Bob. Um, I'm going to show my age, but uh, one of my favorite concerts, I used to work at the auditorium in the arena as an usher downtown. Right. And in about 1972... The backup band to the backup band was Mountain. Okay. And the and the backup band was the Eagles, <laughs> and the main band was the Moody Blues, and it was by far one of the best concerts I ever saw. So you were and you I were there when the Eagles were the Eagles were opening for the Moody for Moody Blues, huh? Yep, yep, yep. Back a long time, Mountain. It was Mountain climbing at the time, and and uh, early early Eagles and. Um, and the Moody Blues were just, you talk about groups that were just peaking. That right. Was, that was the concert to be seen. I always remember, thanks to call, I always remember back in high school, our, I went to Nicolay, and there were Nicolay Nights, and, and the thing, Nights in White Satin was the big thing. That was the theme of the prom, Nights in White Satin with a K. How clever was that? 414-799-1620. Let's talk to Renee in New Berlin. Renee, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Renee. Um. Actually, there were two concerts that were just phenomenal. One was the Pink Pink Floyd uh, yeah. um, at at uh, County Stadium, yep. Pigs on the Wing, and the other one was Alice Cooper at uh, I think it was the Auditorium, the Silver Screen, I think it was called, right. where he they like had him running on a on a stage. It was actually a screen, and all of a sudden he came running and jumped through the the Green and it was amazing, and I didn't even like Alice Cooper. I went with my husband because he loved them. Right, but oh my God, that was one of the best concerts I ever went to. It was so good. You know, it, it's interesting. Thanks for calling, Renee. You know, it's interesting. I have never seen Alice Cooper in concert, and he's um he he's playing at the State Fair, I think, this year, and which is kind of an interesting. It's sort of a dichotomy. You don't necessarily think of Alice Cooper playing at the State Fair. But I um that that's a show that the, kind of depending on where I am and what's going on with uh, on that given night I I I kind of like to see that show uh, Huey Lewis in the News playing at the State Fair as well I was telling Kathleen O'Leary at Insight that you know they they got some main stage acts that I kind of like to see something a little a little different than the reunion tour of the Turtles and all which was was fine as well four one four seven nine nine one six twenty let's talk to Jane in Milwaukee Jane what what concert did I have to be there with yet. It had to be Patty Smith back in the seventies. Patty Smith, well, right at the that's probably when she was just starting to break out, I would imagine, too, huh? Right. It was a great show. I was working at a radio doctor at the time and I got two free tickets to the show. And my tickets were the upper, upper, upper row on the side. Right. And as the show was starting to start, 
We saw there was no one at all on the ground, seats at all, and no one's there at all. So my girlfriend and I, who I went with, just went zooming down the floor to see what was going to happen. <laughs> right. We didn't get kicked out at all. And so the show started, and back then the arena had a, well, um, a stage and then a little front row for nothing, and then seats started. And so then the show started, this guy kept dancing in the little area there between the stage and the first row. And uh, this usher guy kept telling the guy to sit down. And uh, then, so then uh, the guy sat down, but then Patty Smith told the guy, listen, man, shut up for a second. And so she said, ushers, ushers, look, see all the people here? See all the aisles? They're empty. See all the rows? They're empty. See this area right here? This is my area. If my people want to dance here, they can dance here. And boom, we rushed the stage. <laughs> and to this day, it is the best cause I've ever seen in my life. Well, that, that, I mean, thanks. That, that's the, that's the kind of fun stuff and that's the magic stuff that, that happens from time to time. And that, that's what's so cool about going to live shows because you never, you never know when you're going to see that. Um, I mean, a lot of times stuff goes according to Hoyle, and you go and you say, oh, it was a good show, or it was a bad show, the guy wasn't feeling well, or, you know, it's kind of, I've seen this before and all. But you never know when that special sort of thing is going to happen. And that's one of the things that I think is so very, very cool. And, and that's what makes live entertainment so great. And that's what makes it, that's what makes it worth, you know, standing on a picnic table at, at Summerfest for a couple hours because you want to see that band. Or you get to go and you say, hey, I saw this band, and the next thing you know, six months later, they've broken out, and they're, they're doing all this incredible, incredible stuff. Let's talk to Jason in Mequon. Hi, Jason. Hey, Jeff. Uh, Metallica, when they played the Marcus about 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Were you a headbanger back then? Uh, yeah, I kind of had long hair at the time. <laughs> I kind of still do, but uh, <laughs> it was like I said, it was 25 years ago, so we were all young and stupid back then. And just, you know, all the people smoking pot and how many people got hauled out before the concert even started. It's like, what's the point in, you know, even going to see a concert? But, see, I, I, Jason, you know. I'm glad you, I agree with that. I was, um, okay, so I, I mean, it's completely different than Metallica, but I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan. But people go and they have these, these knockdown drag out parties in the parking lot. And, and you know, we, we call it peaking too soon. And so, you know, you're, you're dropping. I don't know, on the cheap end, 85 bucks, on the high end, 250 bucks to see a show. And I'm walking through the parking lot, and there's all these people passed out. I mean, you know, it's, if, 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 if I want to drink myself senseless, I'm going to do it at home. You know, I'm not going to spend 250 bucks and do it in a parking lot. Right. It's, it's not like you go there and think you're going to see a show. You actually want to see a show, but then you get so stupid. And <laughs> Right, okay. I, I know. Right, and then you don't even remember the show. Thanks to call. Hey, man, you remember when we saw Metallica in '87? No, I don't, because I was passed out in the parking lot. Uh, let's see on our text line: Lou Reed at the Oriental in the '70s. Never saw Lou Reed. Never saw Lou Reed. I think that would have been a tremendous show as well. Bob in Oak Creek. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello, Bob. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Bob. Yeah, Bruce Springsteen at uh, the Milwaukee Arena when they carried him. Actually, the fans carried him through the stadium. Um, now, are you talking about back back in the old days when he was doing the show at the arena, or when he did shows at County Stadium later on? No, no, this was uh, Springsteen at the Milwaukee Arena. Right. Okay, got it. Probably about uh, his fourth time here in Milwaukee. Right. 
and they, the, the fans actually carried him. Uh, he got down into the audience, and they picked him up, and he was <laughs> being pushed through the fans on his back singing a song. It was awesome. I, you know, th- you know, I, I came to Springsteen a little bit late. I, I wish I would have seen some of those legendary shows, and I never did. I'm sorry, we got jam phone lines. Uh, James Brown, Rush, Stevie Vaughan, and Greg Allman. All sorts of uh, all sorts of great stuff here, um, but got to take a quick break because we've got John and Melissa coming in. We are still monitoring what is going on in the stock market. Down five hundred thirty-seven points at the moment. They're going to get an update um, at three o'clock. They'll be in in just a minute. It's two fifty-four. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Thanks for watching on our studio cam.